Hello, this is Elizabeth. <laughs> and this is Lee. And we are doing this on our own. Can't you tell? <laughs> so, um, We've spent the last two hours trying to just figure out how to record, record ourselves. Record ourselves. It's really so, awful. Hooray. I know. We're hooray. doing repressed. <laughs> well, I don't know if this is doing repressed. I feel like this is, we are over the age of 40 and don't lay down MP3s. Right. So, yeah, it was our magic before. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. So Mm. I can't remember which podcast it was, but we were talking through the numbers and you said something about scarcity. And I said, I think all numbers have a sense of scarcity. Uh, And you said, oh, interesting. Yeah. I think I I didn't, wasn't so sure, but I believed it. And then I thought, yeah, no, you have a point. Yeah, and so I, today what we wanted to talk about was this dance of scarcity and abundance and how our types influence that, right? Yeah. And so there is a lot of, uh, a lot of um, writing and um, podcasts. There's a mm-hmm. lot of talk about the word abundance, and yeah. you—, you I think you you hear it more than I do. It's in your kind of podcast space that you listen totally, to. Totally, totally. Yeah. Everything I listen to is about abundance yeah. and manifesting and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I I didn't have as clear of a gauge on, well, what does that mean, abundance? Like, I think I didn't have an ongoing conversation with it in the way that you did. And so I actually went to gratefulness.org, which is... Uh-huh. Um, Brother David Stimblerass, who I just adore, and they just they have great writings and poetry, and that that space feels abundant to me. Mm, and I, I came across an article by Jack Cornfield, um, and he talked about abundance being our, our relationship with abundance being that we already contain what we most deeply desire, and that's life, love, inner freedom. And a sense of connection. So his take on abundance, of course, as a Buddhist, is that it's internal. That um, what you have is what you need. What is inside of you. You already have everything. You've got it, right? Yeah. And without that kind of abundance, he says, we can be in the midst of riches and still feel like a hungry ghost. And I, I think that is a real good description about the games we play out of our personality. Totally. That we set up these strategies and um, t- to get what we want, but we don't see what's already there. Right. Right. So um, I think it's good for us to talk about the fact that it's not a not about a prosperity Definitely kind not. of space. No. Um, like a prosperity gospel, which is so big in our um culture and country. It's not a name it, claim it, or a way to um, bring or get more, I guess. Yeah. Bring more or be aware of more, I think there's some play there, but not not abundance in the sense like if I name it, I claim it, I own it kind of space. Um, and I, so I've been playing with that. And then I read in one of Mark Nepo's new books, at the end of each chapter, he has some questions for you to kind of contemplate. And he posed a question, what is your ongoing conversation between possibility and disappointment? 
which has your ear most regularly? And I thought, that's a good, abundant question. <laughs> that's that's right? a, Yeah. That, I mean, I, I, I'm afraid that I'm way too geared to the, what am I disappointed about? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I, I think possibility, if, ab- if abundance feels mm. a little like I, I can't, not tangible enough to me, possibility right. lands in me in a different way it's, that kind of can. Yes. And I think that, um, I mean, as a four, to me, possibility feels like that action thing that I need to grab when I'm mm-hmm. not doing well or I'm too focused on disappointment. If I can if I can just say what what is possible right now and then go or like in my sobriety work, it's like what's the next right thing? Right. And so and just that, move into yeah. It. Mm-hmm. yeah. That feels good to me. But you almost have to be aware that it's a that it is a possibility, yeah, yeah. right? That you're making that choice every moment. Yeah. 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 And that you're responsible for that. Yeah. So I I think our personalities kind of assume a scarcity that we are not going to get what we need. And so we have these elaborate kind of ways of moving through the world, which we've talked about in previous podcasts that ultimately sabotage what we're going after, right? That I um, want to be at peace and avoid disconnection as a nine, but by being a withdrawer and not um, asserting myself, then I am disconnected and am not at peace anyways, right? So that we all kind of ha- play these games with ourselves um, that I, I think kind of come out of this place of that we don't believe that we have what we need or um, we don't believe that we can be connected to reality in a way that we trust will find what we need or mm-hmm. um, get what we need. And uh, and I think our personalities, when we're not aware of it, just reinforce that message to us. Yeah. Right? So, so this podcast in some ways is not too different from that Sabotage podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Bit. But just to kind of think of it in that way. Um, so... And I think it's good for us to remember that abundance or possibility doesn't mean, and we could talk about this maybe with each type, that the world is going to give you everything you need or want, right? Right. That um, if you live out of that space and you trust your inner resources, um, there's still going to be conflict. I'm still going to have disconnection, right? Mm -hmm. That happens, but... In, in kind of not playing the game of my personality as a nine and trusting that even when those things happen, then that inner abundance or that inner knowing um, and possibility of, oh, I could, I could survive this. I can mm-hmm. do more, right? So that's another way to think about scarcity. Um, anything else you want to say before we get going on our our types i don't know we can just dive in and you can interrupt yeah chat it up okay okay so when i started thinking about this in vermont this is how i started writing it and i don't know why but um we'll start with two and i started thinking about twos as people who use feelings to attract people in order to feel loved um and I think when it comes to lack, 
that everybody in the heart triad, everybody in the shame triad, um, is steeped in this comparing heart. That our hearts are always comparing, and that kind of puts you in the way of lack. Because when you're comparing, you're automatically seeing lack yeah. in everything. Um, and that there's just not enough love. There's not enough love. There's not enough people that love you, and there's not enough, um, yeah, that people don't need you enough and that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, But I I think when you're always doing that comparing thing, and I think twos and fours are really set up to see that lack. I think threes are doing it. They're also comparing, but they're not. I think the lack is a little less automatically felt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think twos and fours know that they're always feeling the lack, right? Yeah. Um, And I I was thinking of twos as butterflies, like indiscriminately pollinating every flower and then just like wondering why the world feels wrong to them. Why do they feel that there's not enough love? Why do they Mm -hmm. feel that not enough people need them? Why do they feel not needed? Why do they feel... You know, all the things that twos feel that is not right in the world is because they are not, in other words, they don't have discernment about how they spend their energy and who they love. And so I started thinking about twos as like a butterfly instead of pollinating every flower that you bring up thinking, you bring up discernment, Mm -hmm. and you think about who, who am I going to put this energy towards? And the more that discernment is part of the pollination, then the broader and the more abundant the world feels. And I think that's like something that probably twos just need to like sit down. I was sort of joking with myself, but I think you could make a map of like where you need to put that energy. And um, I have a note in my studio that says, uh, what does it say? It says, um, focus on what is already working. Mm. You are in the flow. Focus on those that love you. You are in love. And I have to, like, think that way all the time. I have to remind myself that all the time because I'm always seeing what things are not working and who doesn't love me. Yeah. And I think that that feels familiar. For I think that's two stuff, too, because I go to two in, in um, stress. So I think twos are going after the one, right? They're going into the room and seeing the one person that doesn't respond to them. The one person that says the negative thing when eight people said something positive. And so I think it's like this retraining of that you're going to pollinate the ones that love you. And you're going to notice the ways in which things are working in the world for you already. There's so many things that are already working. Mm. And that's where your flow is. That's where your pollination is. So, And when you think about that, like if we think about inner abundance so part of that is paying attention like for a two to pay attention to what is really coming their way instead of how can they kind of the frenetic um pollinating to use your image i guess is bringing up thinking like if we were carrying out this metaphor Mm -hmm. of you know scarcity and abundance bringing up thinking i think maybe for two can be be part of that is is saying that they have what they need that they're mm-hmm. not de- dependent on how i respond to their giving right, right. that 
even if I don't respond, they are enough. They might not even need to pollinate that day. Right. They might just like sit there and like yeah. just do their little wings in the sun. Yeah. Just stretch. <laughs> just stretch. Yeah. Stretch. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it probably, the discernment, the bringing up thinking probably allows for the re, like realizing that you can yeah. just stop. Yes. Yes. Um, and that there is. The pollination is like their energy. It's what they're doing naturally mm-hmm. all the time. And so I think discernment, thought, allows you just to say, I'm just going to feel everything that I already have and everything that I'm already here for. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> does it? <laughs> no, I mean, it does. I mean, I think that is the, I, th- I think that trying to describe especially when we're not that number, whatever the inner, like what would inner abundance, what would, I am okay, I'm enough, you know, that um, even if these games that I play, you know, if I think I need to get X, Y, and Z to love me back or to respond to me in a particular way, mm-hmm. what is it? <clears throat> what is it inside of myself that I can know that that's not true? You know, that there is love and I'm loved and I'm, I am all of that despite whether or not I get the response. And even even almost more so, right, that there's a deeper trusting to, uh, to that presence of love, I guess. Mm-hmm. But if as, as, as a two or not being a two, to find out how to describe that yeah. internally, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it. It requires that stopping. I think it also requires practicing mm-hmm. um, the boundaries of not just automatically pollinating every flower. And I think the more um, that's practiced, you realize. I think. I think it, it. There has to be that thought ahead of time to realize that there's some people out there that just don't. That you don't need to put that energy into. And mm-hmm. I think when you realize that and think that through and keep practicing it then after a while you have more grit you have more you have more kind of trust in it trust in it but also like maybe less reactionaryness to the the ones that don't right like you don't have to everybody doesn't have to need you like you get more and more okay with not everyone not needing to need you yeah that's i think it reminds me of the small bummer muscles and the small. What do I say about nines? The small conflict. Small conflict. Mm-hmm. It's that. It's that. It's that muscle that yeah. twos have to practice. Yeah. You know. And I would think somewhere in that is also saying what they need. You know, putting that out in the world too, um, and that the world is big enough to meet their needs. Right? Yeah. Like there, there are people in the world um, who want to love them. You know, in that connection. We're waiting. We're waiting to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Threes um, use feelings to navigate fluidly or successfully in the world. Um, uh, and they also have this comparing heart that is steeped and lacked, but they're also kind of not really, they're sort of pretending like they're not, they're not steeped in lack or that they're not even comparing. You know, <laughs> I think they think that they're not doing it. Um, I think that for threes, 
someone else's success or someone else's abundance feels like lack to them. So there's not enough success. The threes really have to work at that whole um, idea that when someone else does well, that there's still enough pie for them. Somebody taking a piece of the pie of success or abundance doesn't mean they lost some, doesn't mean they get less. Um, And that, I think, is huge. I think it's... Yeah. I wonder if I just had the thought, I wonder if a three could ever imagine there not being a pie. Like, but it doesn't have to, people's success doesn't have to fit in a pie. <laughs> you know, that there's, yeah, it n- can be out there. Out, outside yeah. the pie. I'm yeah. just, yeah, yeah, no, I'm just using yeah. it as a, I, I don't know how to talk about it except mm-hmm. to say that there's enough pie for everyone, but threes don't really, I think, I mean, I don't really believe that as a four. I don't think there's enough pie for everyone. I mean, I do know it. I know that that's mm-hmm. true, but I don't operate that way all the time. And I think threes really struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so I think threes have to bring up vulnerability and feeling. And um, a lot of that is about putting down their their self-deceit and be really honest about all the struggles of the ways in which they go after abundance or success. So mm-hmm. the more a three can communicate with themselves and with us about all the ways in which them trying to eat, have the pie is hard for them or didn't work out for them or the way they feel scared about it. They're not being enough or all of those things, which are only possible when they put down deceit and, and bring up feeling, mm-hmm. Um, that enables the rest of us to trust them um, and brings us along to for whatever they're going after. So the more honest they are about that, the more we trust them and the more we come along and the more we come along, the more success they have. Yeah. The more they have impact on the world because people are coming alongside them. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, you know, one of the things... Um, I thought I thought through this some in the lost childhood message and the idea that threes don't believe they'll be loved for who they are, but they're longing, longing, longing for that. Um, I feel like part of their inner abundance or them starting to trust that is that they have to uh, fail, <laughs> whatever that looks like, that we have to be there when they connected to them in a way that they are understand that that deceit piece of who they are um, and having to be on or project whatever image that um, part of the reason they're doing this because they don't, don't believe that we will love them for who they right. are. Right. And they can't, I don't think they can believe that truly right. until yeah. they're in the pit, yeah. whatever their pit is. Right. So that, that, so it's the not enough. Is. It's not. It's not just that they don't believe in that there's enough pie or right. abundance or success. It's that they don't believe they'll be loved if they, if they look don't get like, a big piece of if, it. If they don't, if they're not just yeah, yeah. Eat, eat, having a big piece of that pie and yeah. showing us all what a great piece of pie they have. And yeah, um, 
Yeah. So there's, that's interesting. So it's not just that there's enough pies, that there's enough love. There's enough love. Yeah. And that the love and the abundance of love comes when they look like they don't have any pie. I was going to say, we don't <laughs> give a care about the pie, right? We don't, like, yeah. We don't really care about the pie. Um, I don't think they believe no, that. They it's don't. true. No. Um, that's interesting. And then also the other part of that is that, um, what was I going to say that, um, a, a, like a three that's doing well, that is kind of living into this mm-hmm. is, is really helping others be successful is sharing a lot about how they got where they got They're Um, they're mentoring people, mm-hmm. they're offering resources, you know, to, so, um, and I think you can really, that's like a real indicator for a three, if like, are they, are you watching a three mentor other people on how to have this road to success or this road to fluidly being in the world? Or are they secretive or covering up their tracks or, mm-hmm. um, always projecting a shiny image and not showing the trickier parts to us? Um, all of their, lessons that look unsuccessful um the more they can share that the more abundant oddly their life will be yeah yeah in every way yeah because at some point then they i mean i I don't imagine they would ever forget about the pie you know i think we all kind of have our knee-jerk reactions but you know if you if you just think about this in the topic of scarcity and abundance the very fact that there's just a pie I mean, just automatically indicates scarcity. Right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But there's, there's only so much. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, we should think of something else. Well, I but, don't know what. But, it, yeah. but that is their scarcity mm-hmm, piece, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. how they're. Um, that is part of it. I think. I think that's that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really. Um, I mean, I think that's why when you're meditating or when you're um, kind of feeling those moments in your life where everything feels unified or whole Mm -hmm. is when you kind of perceive that that it's not a pie, that you, that it's all webbed together and that there is no pie plate. There's no circle. It's like the whole universe is this uh, opportunity for mm-hmm. abundance and um but those are you know i mean that's what that's what we're <laughs> that's what we're after yeah but they just come in yeah they come in moments yeah that's good um fours use feelings to make themselves feel special or as ornaments or texture to their specialness um and in this heart shame triad, have a comparing heart that is steeped in lack, which grows with feelings of envy. And so I'm just automatically always over-focusing on what I don't have, what's not working, who doesn't love me, who said the negative mm-hmm. thing. Um, kind of nuzzling into disappointment. I'm nuzzling into disappointment all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um I was, I said in my notes, it's like a tapeworm, <laughs> which is terrible. Um, but so that's why I have that note on my wall. Cause mm-hmm. I have to just retrain myself to see what's flowing and what's mm-hmm. working. Um, and, uh, 
And I like, I mean, so for me, it really, I was just thinking about stance work for me because I feel like when I bring up doing um, and kind of go right to that possibility you were talking about, mm-hmm. what is right in front of me that I can put my put my energy into in a in a you know productive way um, gets me kind of through that that place of lack because then I'm just like putting myself into something. Um, but I mean, it doesn't always work. Like, you know, I mean, one, one day I have somebody say something tricky to me and my whole body is like vibrating and shaking for a day. And then the next week, that same person said something even worse to me. And I, I could feel myself shake it off. I could feel myself just say, I'm not putting that. It's like a cloak. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting that on my body. And I just walked out to the studio and I started working, working, working. And I was listening to um, a Krista Tippett, some podcast with some Buddhist person talking. And I was just, I just moved on. I just moved on. And I, I, I call that bringing up doing. I think it also, you could look at it as three wing stuff. I don't know. If I could bottle it, I would. But um, it's, I just have to, to work on every day, like seeing the things that are working and flowing towards me instead of seeing all the other things that are not. So if you were to put that experience of just kind of putting a cloak on and shaking it off and moving to your studio, like using language of possibility or mm. abundance, how, how would you describe that? It's not just doing, but what, yeah. you know, how, how is that? I guess, I guess that um, I can, I can sit around and really think of all the things that are not working or who's not working for me or what's not working for me. And I can get really bogged down in that. And the more I get bogged down in that, the more I feel the lack mm-hmm. and I don't feel the abundance. If I, it, to me, it's like little baby steps of tenacity. So it's like little baby steps of doing that I'm boundering those feelings of lack. I'm putting, I'm just like putting a placeholder. I think of like the no feeling is final. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I just say yes to that. And I do all the little things every day. I'm not saying it always works, but then you turn around a week later or a month later and you realize that things open or opening up for you that the world is broader that someone came some new friend came to you or some new possibilities working out or there's some new avenue for your work that and but it but those things don't come to you when you don't boundary your feelings and you just focus on all the things not working Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and then I so I wonder if we talked about your childhood message lost childhood message of you're seen for who you are, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. How mm. how, Ooh, how does that drive your uh, sense of scarcity, right? Like the when I take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. So if I I can very easily sit around and think of all the ways people don't see me for who I am, and mm-hmm. that is a, a tr- fast train to hell. Yeah, um, I could waste my whole life doing that. Yeah. And I have wasted a lot of my life doing that. And um, so it's it's about um, being, being that person. 
Like, what is the next thing that I can do today that will help me be the person that I want someone to see? You know? Yeah. And then, because I can do, I can do that. Mm-hmm. The the piece about like someone not seeing me, there's nothing I can do about that. And the more I wallow in that, the more people are not going to see me for who I am, whatever they don't want to, who yeah. would? That's gross, you know? So what's the next thing I can do that will make me satisfied with who I am and make me maybe just put me in the way of someone seeing me for who I am. Yeah. That's, that's all I can control. Well, it's almost in that as well, that there is a clarity in you seeing yourself, right? Like yes. when you stop the, the lack or the scarcity of, and kind of everything that's missing or everyone who doesn't see you, that there is a sense of clarity that I'm not all of that. Like that's not true, right? That there mm-hmm. is a sense when you're, what you're describing is you start to even see yourself for who you are for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Yeah. 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 Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so uh, moving to the five is a really, really different place. Um, this is where we've, I feel like we've started using the language on uh scarcity and abundance, right? It just fits so easily into the, at least to the the five and the head triad. Yes. Yes. And so I think um, what I said here is that like twos, threes, and fours are constantly distracting themselves from knowing who they are by being too involved with who everyone else thinks they are. So that is something they all have in common. And I think fives could actually maybe use a little of that energy. Yeah. They maybe need to be a little distracted by who we think they are. <laughs> I mean, that might be not yeah. healthy to say, like, I don't even know, but I think, um, I think that they are kind of locked in the kingdom of their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, what did I say? It had the kingdom of the mind has defined boundaries and borders. Mm-hmm. And so while the twos, threes, and fours are like kind of borderless and always looking, looking in that with that comparing heart to how people, how they're being perceived by the world, fives are so locked into their head that they have lost touch with how the world sees them completely. So, um, uh, and they like all those boundaries and borders and they, they, they kind of don't, I think fives have real trouble perceiving how small they've made their own world. So I think they don't think they'll have enough if those boundaries and borders are gone. Right. Right. That those, those, um, for them, those boundaries and borders are what feel abundant or help them feel, you know, in their, in their type. Way, if they right? if they do it because it makes them feel safe. Yeah. But then they have talked themselves into thinking that it's abundant. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's the mistake. Um, and I think typically what happens with fives is when things start going not well, they just make their fences taller and their walls thicker, and they rationalize more. They rely on their reasoning more. They rely on their mind more. They try to be more competent, more, uh, have more reasons why they do everything. Ex- they want to explain it uh, ad nauseum to you about how they got there or why they're doing it. Right. Um, and that just makes it worse. And it 
that again, just makes their world smaller. Um, so, um, well, and I think, you know, so thinking about the lost childhood message there is that you have needs and they ma- they matter. Right. That they why, um, why you doing that? get lost, what they've convinced themselves of, and that they're living in this kind of scarce space is that they don't, they they can meet all their needs. Right? Yes, that yes. That somehow behind their, their the mm. borders of their mind, the, these walls, that their needs are being met, right? Yes. But that's, but not, that's not true. Right. And so it's only when, and Nathaniel has talked so beautifully about this so many times, that when he does, when he puts himself out there, when he doesn't know all the facts, when he moves towards something, mm-hmm. that's just breeds more abundance, right? Right. Um, right. So I bet it, I bet for a lot of fives, it does, in their head, feel abundant behind. Um, oh, yeah. Right? Because think, they don't. And then, then of course, the vicious cycle of we don't get to, we don't get to meet any of their needs because we don't right, know them. Right. And they've made them some, so small. They've made their needs so minimal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that they can meet them. Yeah. And they're proud of that. Yeah. So they have to kind of drop that pride, too. Um, mm-hmm. I, an abundant five is practicing impulsivity and playfulness, decif- decisiveness, risk-taking, extroversion, and all of this is like over a prolonged period. So I think, um, again, like kind of the small bummer muscles, this is like practice, little bite-sized practice. You can't just sort of practice impulsivity and playfulness and then put it down. You have to try it on every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like I'm boundarying my feelings and not throwing that cloak on where I get all messed up, uh, five opposite kind of has to practice all these ways in which they're expanding into the world. Right. And um, over time, it's almost like being on this diet that you and I are trying to do. And like over time, practicing, practicing, practicing eventually. all that, eventually the world gets bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. And it takes that, t- that it's like tenacity of playfulness. Is that a thing? Tenacity of playfulness over time to, to actually see the difference. Right. So type six, thinking about your images with the mind, I was thinking you know, maybe one way to talk to them, talk about what's happening in their mind is that they're kind of held captive to their, to their questions. Mm, I like you that. You know, like, yeah. um, that they're, they're questioning everything is the way they think they are going to find safety. And really it keeps them from ever feeling safe, right? That yeah. there, there's a, um, I mean, it's interesting, interesting how, the questioning makes the people around them not feel safe too. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you bring up the non non safe feelings in right. the room with all of that. Yeah, and so it sort of compounds it. Interesting. And so, of course, their lost childhood messages: you are safe. And I was thinking about scarcity in sixes. You know, ordering their worlds based on the belief that that safety is scarce and I would say even trust so we've talked about how trust and friendships and relationships that that that's scarce even that those are things in the world that they have to uh, find or um, kind of make happen 
And of course, we all know that the truth is that the world will never be safe in a way that sixes think it ought to be. And right. so they're being kind of held captive to that idea that, that it's not in their head, um, th- that it just promotes this idea that they're they're not safe, right? Mm-hmm. That they can't find what they need. And so when I think about sixes kind of moving into that inner abundance, I automatically thought about them trusting their own experience, that that's, it's almost more than any other type. When we go back to that Jack, Jack Cornfield uh, quote is really, it really is inside of them. You know, that when we teach sixes, we talk about trusting their own experience and taking time to know what's in, in them and what their actual experience has been, not what's happened in their fear or in their uh, mind. And so I think their work of trusting their own experience, taking time to know, building connections, um, that that's how they actually start to know that they are safe, right? Mm-hmm. To trust it. Um, I think they have a reservoir of experience yes. that, that may be deeper than the rest of us. Right. Um, that they don't really, maybe they don't, they, they just don't have faith in that, right. I guess. Yeah. And when I think about inner freedom, and when we've heard sixes talk about what is happening in them, I think that movement towards whether or not um, they can see the world in that way right away, if they can trust themselves in the world, then, you know, maybe they see abundance outside of them, right? Mm-hmm. But I think inner inner freedom for a six just sounds like, man, trust in themselves, just hardcore. Yeah. And how great that would be. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so they have to practice decisiveness too, I think. Yeah. And playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing up, bringing up their thinking, yeah. yeah. And and I think probably for all the the de- dependent stance folks is even more so. All of us need to learn to trust that we have what we need inside of us. But those folks really have to remember that they're not going to get what they need outside of them. That they have to start at home first. Sixes, right? Sixes, twos, and ones. Yes, right. The dependent stance. Dependent okay, stance, I see what I you're think. saying. Yeah, okay. You know, so they have to trust. They really have to trust their own experience. Yeah. In that way. Yeah. So. Okay. Seven. That's okay. Mine. So the the dreaming mind sevens. The dreaming mm, mind good. is never at home. Um. So finding home. Uh, for seven is what creates abundance and spaciousness. And I think that if you said finding home to a lot of sevens, a lot of sevens might say they don't want to find home. You know, it's like a trap. It feels like a trap. But I don't, I think, uh, I think that believing that home is a trap is like, is that's a trap. <laughs> So I think that's their trap. And that is their trap. And so like whatever, like maybe define home for yourself. Um, And And tell yourself that it could be enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, So I feel like sevens, when we talk about abundance, it sort of seems like sevens just live there all the time, that they just have it. 
Um, and I think they do. I think sevens in particular, like they think they have it. Mm-hmm. And um, like we were saying, fives earlier create this really small world and then they don't really know that it's small. But I also think it's like it's a different because a five creates a really small world. And I think part of them knows it's small and they're like proud of themselves that they've made it small and that mm-hmm. they don't need a lot and that they're self-reliant and all those things. But I think a seven is always like controlling the world and creating this sense of freedom in the world, their their idea of what freedom is. And so even though that keeps them from experiencing all that they would experience if they weren't doing that, they think that all the horizons are open. Like they think because of their basic way they move through the world, that their world in some ways is bigger than the rest of ours, right? Like they have the broadest landscape to work in of any number. They, and uh, I guess the work for a seven is realizing that you don't. And the thing is, is nobody's gonna, a seven is set it up. They have set it up that they are not going to believe that their world is smaller Mm -hmm. and they have set it up so that nobody can really tell them that their world is smaller. And it's almost like all of those horizons, all the possibilities do limit them, Mm -hmm. which is hard to take in. I'm sure if you're seven, right. That, that, that somehow boundaries could feel like abundance. (laughs) Right. You know, So I think like, so inability to take responsibility, I think is one of the ways in which sevens create lack in their lives. Because when you don't take personal responsibility, people stop trusting you. You stop getting feedback from those same people Mm -hmm. who would, would be the only ones who could tell you that you need to take responsibility for certain things. And they stop coming, they stop trusting you or believing what you say, right? And um, so automatically that shrinks what you're working with. And mm-hmm. no one, you, no one's ever going to tell you that. Like, I'm, I, hey, hey, Seven, I don't trust what you say because I don't, when you tell me this podcast is awesome, I don't listen to you because you're a Seven. I mean, that's not nice, but it's true. But like, cause they think everything is awesome. Everything's mm. great. Everything's awesome. Everything's the best they've ever had or whatever. I mean, that's a dumb it's example, a, but. Well, it's a very fuller example too. Okay. Yeah. So could, do you have another one? No, I mean, it, yeah. I, it's just like, um, it, it's, it, you have set it up so that people lack kind of that trust in you yeah. but, um, because of the way you're moving through the world with your inability to take responsibility and your drive for freedom. The drive for freedom can be, as we said earlier, the 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 way the the kind of relentless desire to be free of constraint. Mm-hmm. You can talk about it that way. Mm-hmm. All of that is going to make the relationships you have in your life very particular. Yeah, and so I was looking at their so their lost childhood messages that you'll be taken care of. Um, and look at what they're doing so yeah. that they won't be. Yeah, it's a, you know, just like all of us, this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy is that they they don't trust 
that they'll be taken care of. And so there is this kind of moving on or controlling or however it's expressed in them, Mm -hmm. um, not being limited um, because there's something about if they can't bust out of it or control the situation that we can't take care of them. And then in there, in all of that, we can't take care of them. Right. (laughs) Right. Even though there is, there is enough. And, you know, I'm thinking, how how would we talk about their sense of inner freedom, you know, their abundance? What would that sound like for a seven? I I, I mean, I I was saying, I I wrote down like an an abundant seven is someone who can apologize for big things, not the little things, big things, that can stay put when things get itchy or when they feel Mm -hmm. itchy Mm -hmm. and then stay put some more. And then stay put some more. Again, that's that small, like that tenacious holding on to yourself and not fleeing, not leaving, not avoiding. And then somehow in that, you learn there's enough. It's okay. Because the reason is then people start trusting you. And Mm -hmm. so what I would say in general to sevens is that that takes a while. So I, but I think it takes a while for all of us. It takes a while for all of us, but a seven is going to be naturally impatient with results, right? So that staying put with yourself and then stay put some more and stay put some more and you practice that over time and it's unsexy Mm -hmm. and it, it's, it requires discipline, which doesn't sound, that sounds constraining, right? But over time it allows people to trust you and come towards you and believe you when you say things and um and so then what it's like suddenly everything's in full spectrum color and you thought things were in full spectrum color because you're white you're you know on fire going through the world but they're not they're not yeah gosh (laughs) it's hard i mean that's to me of all of the numbers or i don't know maybe not all of them but like when you think of abundance, you think, oh, yeah. Seven, Sevens are abundant. Right. right. They got um, that cornered. But it is. Man, we're so we're so weird, all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so moving into the gut triad, type eight. I started with um, like the lost childhood messages, you will not be betrayed. And um, thought about how eights kind of set up their world is that there is... Um, a belief that vulnerability leads to betrayal, that they have to be in control. They have to have, um, I don't want to say the power because I don't think that's always true, but to be in charge of themselves and have mastery kind of over themselves because they there's a scarcity of trust that they'll be safe and cared for in a world where they're vulnerable, that they've... and. They've set it up that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they're not in charge or not in control, that means that they're vulnerable and trusting mostly just themselves right. and this kind of aggressive forward motion, right? So um, it's almost, I don't know if this is the best way to say it, but it's almost like there's not a trust that there's enough tenderness for them. Yeah, You know, I, I will always think about what the word betrayal and it's it's so eight and so um 
kind of probably outside of a lot of us that, that I don't walk through the world thinking I was betrayed or that doesn't happen to me very often at all. But I, I think this idea of vulnerability or um, softness mm-hmm. that that I think there's a lack in them tr- trusting that there's that is in the world for them that there is a that there is some tenderness to hold them when yeah. they um, are not in charge or not in control right and so they just decided the world doesn't have that for them mm-hmm. and in fact when they let their guard down that might lead to betrayal, right? And right. so um, we don't we don't get the opportunity to remind them that they won't be betrayed. That there right. is there is that space space for them. Um, and so I think it, in thinking about enneagram work in terms of abundance and knowing there's enough inside you, and maybe even in reality is that they have to trust that vulnerability, love, and connection hold more life and power than being in control, hmm. even when they get hurt or betrayed. It's almost, I wonder, them thinking about um, if power and control and almost containment in some ways for right? sure i mean i think that i think that again it's like with the all the aggressive numbers like mm-hmm. if they're if that forward motion and that drive is never tempered with softness yeah. or that the validity of the heart is never brought along with that forward motion that's what creates the dynamic where they misread reality or they step over people or they Mm -hmm. talk over people or they move too quickly without realizing they didn't bring someone along. All that is the fallout from not bringing the heart along. So the irony is the softness, weakness, tenderness, bring that alongside or uh, at least up to the forward motion creates places of connection with other people because people get where you're coming from Mm -hmm. and then they come along and then you get you have more literally more power because you have more impact because you brought your heart you brought your tenderness on board yeah and i was thinking and you're more yourself yeah right that the um the vulnerability is the truth is that when we are vulnerable there is a chance that exactly. we are betrayed, right? Yeah, but it's so, also there's no a chance to put a period there. Like right. when we are vulnerable, there's a chance. There's a chance. Period. That you connect <laughs> and that you, all of these things. Yes, win, yes, right? that's so good. And so I think I like that. a good reminder for all of these types mm-hmm. is just because you live into this space and start to trust it doesn't mean the things that you've been avoiding aren't going to happen. Right. You know, that, that, that can happen, but... In doing your work, you realize that where you have been is small. Yeah. That it's, you've set up the world in a way that doesn't um, bring your whole self. Right. And the tender and feelings and vulnerability um, are just as much a part of who you are as your strength moving forward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I, like, I like that to think, to think about eights. Uh, 
vulnerable and loving and abundant in that space and that being kind of their source of power, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so type nine, which we've mentioned just for me as we introduce. So my childhood message is your presence matters. And um, I'm trying to, how, how I talk about that scarcity wise. And I think I believe there's a scarcity in the willingness of the world and others to accept who I am. So opinions, mm-hmm. adot, desires, you name it, whatever, um, without any disconnection or conflict. That the very idea that I put that in, in the world will, I, it won't matter, but that in fact it will be too much, right? There's a scarcity of space almost, right? Um, And so in my bid to avoid disconnection, I end up being even more disconnected. So it is a loop of scarcity. Mm -hmm. I don't believe there's enough. So I pull back. And so there's not enough. Right. (laughs) You know, so it's... um, There's not enough in the world and there's not enough in you. In me. Yeah. Right. That I just, I, it just reinforces that, that message. Yeah. And so um, abundance for a nine, I think, is knowing and saying and moving towards what they desire or want, engaging in conflict. And in doing that, they start to realize there's room for them, um, that we uh, learn and even experience if there's conflict that does lead to disconnection. Um the inner knowing is that who who we are and what we have to offer still matters. So I don't think we can know that until we put it out there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so right. until we until we move towards and um, act like we have presence and right. that it matters, even if it ends up not mattering to someone, right? right. So I but think there is a there is a a space where you start trusting that. Mm. That that's not that's not the only feedback loop, right? That yes. that conflict, that disconnection. There is something deeper that happens inside of us um, when we uh, uh, learn that avoiding conflict is not um, is actually more limiting than the uh, possibility of disconnection. The ways in which you go after peace and mm-hmm. non-conflict. Just, yeah, just perpetuates. It perpetuates your message that you don't matter. And it perpetuates everything that you're Mm -hmm. trying to avoid. And, yeah, I think the way you said, like, I think a nine's, like, go-to is, like, I'm just going to act this way that kind of expresses that I don't matter. Or, Mm -hmm. Or even if, like, my my dad doesn't really like that language around being a nine. But I think... Okay, so if you don't use that message, if and it's like I'm gonna that, be, right? I'm gonna be chill. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be, I'm gonna not die on this hill. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna um, not think it's a big deal, right? All, whatever you want to call all those things, if if like those are the kind of go to buttons all day for a nine, then the overarching message to people in your life is that you don't think you matter, and it. I mean, obviously, we love you and mm-hmm. want to draw you into your mattering, but it also—it's also, you know—it's also hard to just always have people, you know, 
just automatically coming along that like right. the more people are going right. to give up on you or misunderstand you right. or you're just you're opening up all these highways of disconnection basically because yeah. you're because you are disconnected yes yeah yeah it's like inability to see how your desire for peace has this huge impact on the world yeah and i you know i don't know if other nines feel this way but i've I liked kind of thinking through the ways that I, where are the places where I don't think there's enough room for me? And mm. how, how, who decided that? Who decided <laughs> like, that? Who decided that? Who started that? living into that? Right? Right. Exactly. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that learning that moving into those spaces, even when someone decides you are too much or they don't want you to take that space. Right. That that is that is part of <laughs> moving into it, right? Mm-hmm. And trusting trusting that movement inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. That as soon as you can can experience that disconnection, or I don't want to say get to experience it, but we all will, right? We all do. That you trust that you're still okay, mm-hmm. right? That you can keep keep moving forward, um, even even if you're not at peace. Yeah. Or, or making peace. Or, or, or actually, that's more peaceful. Or like, altogether. or maybe the, the 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 horizon of your little let's call it the kingdom of peace. Like mm-hmm. that—that's a small kingdom. It's so small. Like the five ridiculous kingdom of the mind is a yeah. small kingdom, and your kingdom of peace so is tiny. limited. Yeah. and it sounds so abundant, right? It sounds so lush. Yeah, and lovely. Of peace. And, yeah, and ours is teeny tiny. Yeah, right. It's yeah. so scarce. So scarce. So much of life is missing. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And then type one, kind of spinning off their lost childhood message of you are good. I started thinking that, you know, ones believe there is a scarcity of goodness mm. in themselves and others in the world. They see what is wrong out of order. Um, and in truth, they see what could be, right? So they... They see what's not good and really don't believe there's enough good. But the dissonance, I think, in them is that they they do kind of know what could be, like what, right. um, really what could be relate right. relate to ones in that way. Yeah. It's like we're the idealizers, so we are always disappointed it's and steeping in there. the lack of what's not good enough. Yes, yes. Yeah. So in thinking that they have to bring... Uh, be the people to bring order, rightness, perfection in order to make things good, they end up missing out on the abundance of goodness that's all around them. So they get so focused in on what's missing Mm -hmm. and what is not good, what's Mm -hmm. not right, that that's, they can't kind of zoom back or zoom out and see the bigger picture of all the good stuff that's happening even in the midst of the things that are not good right right which is life and i wonder how do you how do you refocus like i'm i was talking about my refocusing mm-hmm. from the lack to by bringing up doing and kind of that i don't know what i was calling it tenacious something um just the next right thing of mm-hmm. something that i can like who how can i be the person that will Someone will want to see like for who they are. Then how you are. how does a mm-hmm. one like be the person that sees that things are good enough? 
So I think part of it is bringing up thinking, Mm -hmm. right? So a dependent stance here. And I think part of their, what they have to do is remind themselves that goodness can exist even when things aren't perfect. And they all know that logically. They Mm -hmm. all know that logically. Um, But they, they have to be able to see the other good and bring, bring up, I think that thinking to, no abundance in themselves um and you know that life can be right and good even when things are chaos Hmm. um, in themselves Mm -hmm. even i think for real within themselves um and i think when you I'm trying to think of an example but when things feel chaotic and there's one spot of peace or um you know when we have disasters and you see the helpers, um, you know, the things that our eyes, sometimes we get overwhelmed with what's hard and, you know, in our world. But when we can, like, it's almost like a protest of hope, right? When Mm -hmm. you see the good. And I think that is what... Protest of hope. Right? Like like you see that. And you don't want to be a Pollyanna about the whole situation. It doesn't make it all okay. Right. But to see the helpers, to to see the good that's happening, the possibilities alongside the disappointment, right? That they're all right. both there. But a one can, I think, because they do see all of the things that are not right, um, the, their abundance work is... My God, look what all is right. Yeah. Right? Look what look what think, is right. I know that like they go to four, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what maybe four can teach one is that texture piece yeah. uh, along the road to where you're going. So just for like a dumb example, you could have a dinner party or you could have you could have a dinner party, right? And as a one, you kind of see it as like a math equation, like I'm gonna have everything in 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 a row, everything's mm-hmm. gonna be neat, I'm gonna put the food out this way the food's going to be prepared this way the people i'm going to invite are this way and all of those things can line up and go perfectly well and what's missing is that little bit of texture chaos letting go mm-hmm. letting be mm-hmm. of things that allows the whole energy of that evening to have this 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 texture I want to call it texture yeah. groove or space or like breath you know yeah. um, a lot of times things that are enacted by ones have a tightness they they're correct but they're mm-hmm. tight and so they lack a certain vitality um, yeah. and so I think by allowing in that that chaos and that like letting go of oneself to the whatever's happening, which I guess takes a lot of faith, right? Mm. Then, then whatever you're endeavoring, you know, that's how your boundaries get bigger. That's how the horizon gets bigger. That's how more people are drawn to you because that, that the way that whole night rolled out just felt different because you allowed it. Yeah. And you are sitting, you're making these, big um, circles with your arms and kind of like a welcoming in. And I just always think about, you know, Father Richard Rohr, everything belongs. That's mm-hmm. his gift to the world as a one. And I think, gosh, that's a, as far as abundance mm-hmm. goes, everything belongs. Mm-hmm. And because one see everything that doesn't belong, and that's 
where they can make their world small, um, their abundance is that bringing up thinking and, oh, even knowing they belong, right? Whatever yeah. they see amiss in them, that they are good mm-hmm. and and um, and belong, even if um, maybe even more so because they're not perfect, right? Exactly. Because that's how things are. Exactly. You know? And there is sort of similar to the three in that way. Yeah. It's like the more we see their journey of grappling with their own fear of their own non-goodness, the more we have that space to come towards them and love them well. Yes. You know? Yes. Know where they're coming from. You yeah. know, otherwise we're kind of locked out and don't know why they just snapped at us or why things felt so tight. You yeah. know, we just we just feel pick up on that energy and we kind of don't like it. Mm. Um, which feeds their whole thing of feeling Absolutely. imperfect, right? Yes. Or not good enough. Yes. But when we see how they're struggling with trying to be good, then we have space to come towards yeah. all of all of that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. That's what we got. I hope it I we'll hope s- it's helpful and uh we'll see how this recorded. Okay. If you're hearing us, Thanks, you did it guys. okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>